0: You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hey guys,
1: this is episode 64 of the Sexy Escort Guide podcast. I am your host, Vivian, and joining us today is a very special guest, Miss Sophia Gray. Sophia is a Los Angeles based elite companion who has gone from surviving being a sex trafficking victim to thriving in the sex work industry as a high paid escort. A few weeks ago, I noticed Miss Gray's tweet about her gratitude of having survived her pimp and being sex trafficked to now earning six figures as a companion. I loved the story so much that I asked her to come on the show to share it. In her tweet, she said, Today marks seven years of being Sophia. While it hasn't been easy, I am unbelievably proud of myself for everything I've overcome and where I am today. You see, I didn't have your typical start in sex work. In fact, I didn't choose sex work at all. I was forced into it. Seven years ago, I was preyed upon, manipulated, brainwashed, forced into prostitution, and trafficked across the United States for almost two years before escaping my abuser. I lived in fear for my life and my safety every single day. Even after escaping him, the trauma followed me for years. But through all the abuse and the fear and the trauma, I knew sex work was the path for me. I had no idea where it would lead me, but I knew I was on the right one. At this point, I was homeless, living out of a rental car I couldn't afford, with all of my worldly possessions in the trunk. I spent the next few years or so getting back on my feet and building a beautiful life for myself from the ground up, all the while supporting myself through sex work and keeping my autonomy. And let me tell you, that is no small feat. I have overcome abuse, human trafficking, poverty, and homelessness, and built a six-figure business from the ground up all in the last five years. Whoa, typing that out is crazy. Most of you have never heard my story until now, and I'm sure have made your assumptions of me in the past. Let this be a lesson that everyone experiences sex work differently. Let this also be a lesson that you have no clue what someone has gone through to be where they are today. All of this is really to say that I wouldn't be the woman I am today without sex work. It has shaped me in so many ways and opened me up to so many people and experiences I wouldn't have had otherwise. It has helped me grow as a person in more ways than one. And for that, I am thankful. Hello, Sophia. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, joining us and gracing us with your presence. So I just read your thread that you posted on Twitter back on December 1st of last year, 2019. It was Mm -hmm. such a touching post that I wanted you to come on the show and tell your story. So many hoes love to cry about how this line of work is all, you know, it's not all Louboutins and dinner dates and Michelin star restaurants, even though there are good and bad elements in literally everything in life. But I digress. So let's start from the very beginning. Tell our listeners, please, a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today.
0: But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011, and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Yeah,
2: so very true what you said about the good and bad with everything. I'm Sophia Gray. I'm in Los Angeles right now, but I was born in a small town in Northern California. Okay. I grew up in a really conservative, like rural country town um, and had a pretty like good childhood. Unfortunately, I lost my dad at a pretty young age and that started to really affect me like in my late teens early 20s and i struggled a lot with severe depression and um, self harm body image issues all sorts of sorry stuff. for your loss by and... the way oh thank you um yeah it just you know at a young age and just really started to affect me negatively in life Um, and I ended up getting into an art school in San Francisco and I kind of thought that was going to be you know like the answer to all my issues like moving to a new city and having this new Mm -hmm. life and it was for a little bit but I still wasn't in a very good mindset and um, a few years after living there I was working just a regular job. I met a man um, who was a regular customer at the place that I worked. I honestly don't even want to
1: like dignify. Him oh, no, he definitely does so not he need a do. name. But what line of work was it? What what was your regular job? Um, I was working at a Francisco at the time. You were working where? You At a dispensary.
2: Oh, okay. Weed? Like a, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good old California. <laughs> So he was a regular customer there and he came in like every single day and for a while, um, you know, would just like hit on me and flirt with me. And I really wasn't trying to give him the time of day. Um, but he was really persistent. And looking back, I can obviously see that he was like preying on mm-hmm. me. But at that time, I thought he was just really, like, interested in me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot Um, of times you don't know what you don't know until you look back. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, as I was saying before, I grew up in a really, like, conservative small town. And I was just really naive and didn't know that there were people like that out in the world. Obviously, I knew there was, like, good and bad people everywhere. But I kind of always thought that, like, you know, if you're good to people, they'll be good to you. And didn't understand that, like, I could easily get taken advantage of that way. So he sort of, I guess, preyed on me or courted me, whatever you want to call
1: it, for a good six months. So you went out with him? Uh, or this was just six months of him coming to the dispensary and talking to you? Um, both. Okay. So I,
2: we, I eventually gave him my number. And then I would, like, hang out with him when I would get off work. Mm-hmm. And we would just, like, hang out and talk. And um, I was really intrigued by this man. He was kind of like a gangster dude. And <laughs> I didn't know anybody like that. And um, he was also really intelligent. And I don't know. Like, there was, you know, there obviously has to be something with these type of people who are able to kind of manipulate you. You know, they have some sort of charm. Uh-huh. Uh, So we hung out a lot and I eventually, you know, started to have feelings for him and he told me um, that I could come live with him and that he was going to take care of me and we were going to have like this super nice life and he always had really um, like nice cars and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, which I didn't really care about, but he was always just like, oh, you know, like I have money, we're going to be great, all this stuff. And so I did. Um, at the time, I lived in a really crazy um, artist commune in San Francisco. What? And I had 17 roommates. <laughs> yeah, it was what? insane. An I had...
1: artist commune? Like, is it the same as a hippie commune? Yeah, pretty much. It was like <laughs> wow. communal living.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I went to art school in San Francisco. And just being like a poor college kid, um, it was basically these people overtook the third building and turned all the offices into pseudo apartments. Wow, Definitely illegal, but um, (laughs) it worked.
1: Hey, Um, do what you gotta do, I guess. (laughs) Yeah,
2: so uh, that was definitely an interesting time in my life as well. So I was not super happy about living there and I wanted to just, like, I wanted to be with this person. I thought that I was... in love love with him whatever yeah so i quickly didn't take a lot of convincing at that time and i um, packed up all my stuff and um he ended up getting a storage unit to put like my bed and dresser um and then i moved into him in his apartment in the east bay and literally was it a nice apartment no it wasn't oh (laughs)
1: jeez um so much for the nice yeah. cars
2: uh what's <laughs> fun like i'm not even really impressed by that type of thing no, i'm just My God. i'm just it
1: saying if you're gonna flex I you know. need to flex all the way it can't just be your cars. yeah but go on yeah it was
2: yeah um exactly but you know it's like they have he's one of those guys that's like would try to show off his money but it's like that's all the money he had in the world mm-hmm. you know like instagram pictures of it and stuff like yeah. that yeah Anyways, so, yeah, like, pretty much the next day, he woke me up and was, like, pack up some clothes. We're going out of town. This is our new program. This is what you're going to do for me. What?
1: Um, no. Yeah. No, no easing into it? Nothing? He just said, no. hey, come be a hoe for me. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It wasn't,
2: um It wasn't, like, asked. I was told. I was um he was and everything before and it was like it was like almost meeting a completely different
1: person the next i've, day. I've heard stories um, like that yeah
2: yeah i don't did you ever watch
1: the documentary surviving our no i just i can't i can't watch um, stuff like that especially when i know it's true so i i, I yeah. stayed away from all of that Mm-mm. Well, for anybody who's watched that,
2: he was exactly like how R. Kelly is portrayed in the documentary. Very, um, very, like, charming. Nobody would suspect anything. You know, he would, like, become friends with anybody that he walked down the street with. But behind closed doors, he was a completely different person. Um, that documentary was, like, very yeah,
1: A lot of girls told me that, too. It was very yeah. triggering for them. For me, yeah. I just... I just don't want to like I I can barely watch uh, any historically racial movies Uh because for that very reason too because of you know the history of racism Mm -hmm. and all that stuff it's just it's just bad I just don't want any of that shit and then I definitely don't want to watch a documentary about a dude abusing women no no yeah (laughs) no yeah
2: I hear you
1: hard pass. Um,
2: yeah but so yeah I mean he's essentially like that just a complete sociopath um and for the next um about year um almost two years we kind of traveled all around california east coast i think we worked in 13 different states wow
1: pause pause. i I would like to know though the first time that he said pack up Mm -hmm. your stuff this is the new program did you protest? How did that work out till when you saw your first client?
2: I was terrified um, when he told me that. Like I said, he had a complete different just vibe to him. Um, He was a really volatile... So he physically abused you? Um, It was more like mental, verbal... Verbal abuse, abuse. okay.
1: Um,
2: Yeah, there was... I mean... Eventually, I found out there were other girls involved. Um, I know that they were physically abused. Um, I was not. Um, but, yeah, I didn't feel like I could protest. But you protest. had your art I mean, school
1: and stuff. And you just left all that. I was, well, I was already out of art school. And I oh, was just working. okay, okay, okay. So then he was like, yeah. pack up your stuff. This is what we're going to do. You were terrified. So how did your first mm-hmm. session go? Like, How did that lead us up to that first session from when he said, pack up your stuff. This is what we're doing now.
2: So we were in the East Bay and he said, pack up your stuff. I had no idea where we were going. Um, And we ended up driving to Fresno, which is about two hours away. It's just like a happy town in the middle of nowhere. Sorry if you're from Fresno.
1: I'm not I guess our listeners (laughs) anyone (laughs)
2: listening um but if you're from Fresno you probably would agree um so his whole point of doing that was to basically like take me out of my element to a place where I didn't Mm -hmm. know anybody yeah isolate you yeah yeah so that everything was under his control so we drove to and to be honest with you I don't remember my first client I remember like leading up to it but I don't remember no
1: I, I feel like there's certain. you probably blocked it out yeah. I don't mean the actual session I just yeah. mean like when you got to your location like did he have mm-hmm. the guy come to you or did you go to the guide
0: like
1: how did that all work out did you, who paid who did the guy pay him directly or did he give you the money and then you gave it to him so this was
2: the next day and I found out that he had another girl that worked for him and she was like his main chick. So the first few months of me working, I didn't even answer my own phone. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't take. I was just pretty much like, there's a call for you. You know, he'll be here
1: in five minutes. Be ready. So um, he told you when your so appointments were going to be.
2: Yeah, his other girl
1: did. The, the main girl. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, we just sat up in, like, a shitty, like, travel lodge. Wow. um, Motel. And she put up um, ads for herself and me. At the time, it was on Redbook.
1: um, Yeah, which got shut down. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, did the clients pay you directly, or did they pay somebody else? Um, Well, so the
2: first few clients I did not get paid directly. I guess the other girl got it from them somehow. Um, and then when they, I guess, deemed me trustworthy, um, I was able to like take money from my clients and hold on to it. And then every time I wasn't with a client, I was either with him or her. Um, so then they would, you know, take whatever money that I had just got from that
1: client. Um, and then then they give you money back for necessities, or how did that work? like no I didn't
2: have any money like, for myself
1: okay, like what about grooming and clothes? You kind of need those, no
2: he would take us to the store and we would get the things that we needed, I didn't allowed any kind of freedom over like it wasn't until maybe like six months, eight months in that I was even able to like go down to the store to like. By Burger King or something to eat on your himself. own because
1: he was afraid you were gonna leave.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any kind of freedom, whatever, was not allowed.
1: Interesting. I so, allowed to, like, so it was just and, like, you, you. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: Um, I was. I wasn't allowed to speak unless spoken to. I wasn't allowed to look other people in the eye. If he had any of his like friends or people that he knew
1: over, I wasn't allowed to
2: just be a normal person
1: got it and it was just you and the one girl or were there many other girls
2: um for the most part it was just her and I and then over the course of the time that I was with them there were other girls who came and went
1: how long was your duration with him
2: so I tried to leave him three different times Apps in there, but all together it was like a year and a half.
1: Year and a half year with him. And what happened? The times that you tried to leave and you got caught. How did you get caught? And what did you do?
2: The first time that I tried to leave him, we were in New York, and this was almost about like I was almost with him for about a year at this point. So we, me and the other girl, were in New York by ourselves, and he was in California. Mm-hmm. Um, And I got a call from a person pretending to be a client um, and it ended up being a man named Aaron Cohen, who at the time, I don't really know what he's doing now, but um, at the time he was sort of the founder of a human trafficking organization. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Basically, like, him and his organization were set up in New York. girls that they felt were being trafficked or underage and helping them, you know, supposedly helping them to get out of. OK. And so me going with them was the first time I tried to leave. That is honestly like a whole long story in itself, being with the Human Trafficking Coalition but I felt like they were really overbearing. And I mean, which sounds kind of dumb coming from an abusive relationship, but if they just felt like if they were going to help me, like I was going to owe them for the rest of my life. Like uh, they were going to kind of watch me yeah, nothing
1: and in life is free, dear. See, I had a feeling yeah. these organizations were kind of shady. I, I side-eyed them and now I see why. Okay. So to be
2: honest I feel like he was telling me you know they worked in other countries um, and they're which I feel like is a good thing right Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have the rights that we have in America and so those situations like human trafficking child trafficking can get really really out of hand Um, but as far as it went in America like I still wanted to be a sex worker I just didn't want to work for somebody else. I wanted to do it on my own. And I didn't feel like they were going to let me do that, mm-hmm. obviously. But I don't know. I got certain weird vibes from them. First of all, I felt like the guy who I spoke to, he had like this hero complex about how he wanted to like save all these girls. And you can look him up. He had a book called like super cringy name but he had a book called the slave hunter and he like would just refer to himself as this like anti-slavery person and i don't know i felt like he was really more like serving a self-interest than the interest of somebody else and at one point he actually told me that i was going to be really expensive to help which i felt like was that's weird just, like, I didn't come looking for you. You know, like, you offered your help to me. I
1: can't find anything on the Slave Hunter. I'm online looking it up now. Oh, here we go. Aaron Cohen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And he, they had a show on... They were doing, like, a documentary for MSNBC, mm-hmm. and they were pretty much like, we'll help you in exchange for you interviewing with us. Um, and I did record an interview with them, but after like leaving their organization they never used any of the footage that
1: was shot of me thank god yeah they just want to expose you like i I mean i understand that these people are trying to do some good but don't they realize the stigma that follows these women around if they put them on blast like that hopefully you know they're like you know making them anonymous and not just like showing their face and shit
2: Yeah, they're like, we're going to distort your voice. We're not going to show your face, that kind of a thing. But still, I just didn't like, I felt like it was one of those things where it's like, we're going to help you, but how we want to, not how you want to be helped, you know? Okay. All right.
1: So did you, at any point in time, did you ever get caught up with law enforcement?
2: I did.
1: When I was in New
2: York, I got caught in a sting.
1: Um and did did that go all the way through? or oh, did they drop charges? Did you do community service?
2: Uh, they pretty much told me to do three counseling sessions mm-hmm. um and to stay out of trouble for six months and it would be expunged off my
1: record. That's good. And so what was the other two yeah. times you tried to leave?
2: So the other two times were just on my own, and it's not necessarily that I got like caught trying to leave. I think people need to understand that being in an abusive relationship, it's not just like, oh, you can just leave whenever you want. There's a lot of like scare tactics that go into it. Mm -hmm. Manipulation, sort of like brainwashing, if you will. A few months into being with him, he made me purchase a car for him. So I had property or he had property that was in my name. Um, which complicated things. And he would hold that over my head every time I would try to leave, you know, saying he was going to wreck the car or whatever. Wow. Um, and on top of that, he threatened to like, he said that if I ever left him, he was going to find my mom and kill her.
0: Um, Whoa,
2: wait,
1: wait, wait. He, you're kind of breaking out. You said if he, if he said, if you ever tried to leave, he was going to find your mom and kill her. Yeah. Wow. Uh, he said it about my brother, um, my
2: just anybody that I loved pretty much. He also told me that if he ever saw me, like if he ever saw an ad up of mine, that he was going to pay someone to pretend to be a client and come and kill me. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I was like really terrified for even, I feel like I had PTSD from the whole situation for probably like two or three years after
1: that. Even. Okay. So what helped you decide for the final time that it was time to leave this bastard? When did you know it was time? Like, how did you gather your wits and and balls to get the fuck out of there?
2: You know, I think it was just like a, one of those things, like you put up with shit until you don't. Yeah.
1: You get fed up.
2: Um, You know, I, a lot of it was trying to leave in a way that I felt safe. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Um, and I I didn't have like resources either. So that was another big thing. I couldn't, I didn't have like money of my own. I didn't have a car or really anywhere that I could turn to, um, you know, no friends or family that could help me out. So it's a matter of like figuring out a plan, essentially. I read the statistic that said it takes the average woman seven times before she's wow. actually able to leave her abuser. So, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy to think about. That is
1: crazy. So you just got fed up and you were like, fuck this. I'm out. How did you do it?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I was in San Francisco with him at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told him that I wanted to go visit my mom. Cause I hadn't. And he essentially let me, um, meet her, halfway between San Francisco and where she lived. So about an hour away. Mm -hmm. And when I met with her, I kind of just broke down to her and told her that, you know, I was in an abusive relationship and I didn't know how to get out. She didn't know the extent of the abuse at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, She does now. I'm out to my friends and family about everything. But at the time, she just looked at me and she was like, are you ready to leave him? Do you want help? And I said yes and she said let's go and at the time I had an apartment with him in Las Vegas so from around San Francisco we drove down to Las Vegas and um, I like turned my phone off and just kind of you know didn't answer him and um, we left we drove down to Las Vegas got stuff out of the apartment and I just never looked back.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Um, so during the year and a half that you're with him, were you not keeping in touch with your mom? Um, I was here and there. But um, she just didn't know.
2: Yeah. She knew that I like had a boyfriend that I lived with. And obviously I think she's a mom. So like she knew something was up, but I didn't. Much. Um, I obviously like that relationship really drove a wedge between my relationship with her for that time, um, but yeah, I just didn't really didn't tell her. I maybe talked to her like once a month during that time.
1: Wow. Well, I'm so glad you got of that out of that situation um, because yeah. th- there are girls that legit just stay there until God forbid something bad happens, and that's it. So I'm so glad. Yeah. Kudos to you for getting the courage to leave. Um, whew, that was, uh, that was deep. Um, so, so has he tried to contact you ever since?
2: Um, he did for a few years after that. He would make like fake, um, per like Instagram profiles and stuff like that, or emails and try to
1: talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't heard from him in years at this point. So the time that he tried to talk to you, you just figured out it was him and you just ignored it. Okay. Yeah. And he had like yeah. now. Now, does he? do you think he knows your, your persona now, or did he just give up? He probably just gave up. I don't think that he, yeah. Wow. I honestly have no idea. Well, I'm glad that part is over. So what do you think is a misconception about trafficked women, trafficked companions, escorts?
2: Um, I think a misconception is that they're not intelligent. I think people think that maybe only like a certain type of person gets into things like that, but the human mind is a lot more mad people realize, mm-hmm. and, you know, it just takes a little bit of insecurity and a lot of manipulation. You know, yep,
1: that's true. I mean, people. there are very many educated, successful women out there being played by bums who are using totally. them and leeching Mm -hmm. off of them and they actually think it's love so that that has nothing to do with anything so yeah people will continue to you know judge what they don't know what do you what is one uh misconception people have about you um I
2: think that people think just by looking at me that I've had everything handed to me in life and that I've you know had a really easy ride to where Mm -hmm. I am obviously but but it definitely was not
1: truth yeah (laughs) Yeah, wow. So what made you decide to share your story on Twitter?
2: Um, Well, it was the seven-year
1: anniversary of me being
2: um, a companion, and I was just kind of reflecting on how crazy it's been. And I never in a million years thought that I would be as successful in this industry, you know, looking back when I was on you know, Red Book and Backpage and stuff. I would look at girls who are five hundred dollars an hour and think like, Oh my God, they must be so rich. Like they have <laughs> it you know? I was like, I would like one day. I hope to go. You mm-hmm. know, I never thought that would be me. Um, so. So you're saying? Uh, so what you're
1: saying now is that you're rich as fuck.
2: <laughs> no. <I'm> not- <laughs> Definitely I'm just not I'm, just, say I'm, say I'm not.
1: just trying to clarify because I'm in the market for a sugar mommy. So you know if you got it like that to blow, you know, come, come, definitely come sprinkle, not, sprinkle but... some my way.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, definitely a lot more um a lot better than I was back then. We'll say that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's what we all strive to be is just be a little bit better than you were yesterday. So yeah. obviously you've dealt with some trauma from this relationship Mm -hmm. you had with this man how have you dealt with that
2: so I guess just sort of silver lining to this whole thing is that it really kind of put me on a spiritual path and journey in life um I don't talk about it a ton um as Sophia but spirituality is a huge part of my life now Mm -hmm. Um, that's not confused with religion those are two separate things yes of course um But yeah, you know, doing a lot of inner work, meditation, workshops, classes, things that make me a better person. Did you ever do Um, therapy? No, I actually did talk therapy before this whole thing happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and I definitely, I felt like it served a time and place. Um, I have not done talk therapy. I think a big reason was because I felt awkward about, you know, my lifestyle and what I do and finding somebody who would be accepting about that. Um, But in the meantime, I've really found, you know, my spiritual practices and to fulfill that for me and to help me through anything that
1: comes up. That's amazing. I mean, and then I think what something that most people don't seem to realize is that all these professionals, practitioners also have their own built-in personal bias. Mm-hmm. There, there are definitely therapists out there that would judge you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. personally for, for this line of work and that would affect your entire therapy yeah. session. Yeah,
2: they really don't. You know, people have their Yeah, own they
1: definitely do. They definitely do. Yeah. So you have to you have to be very wary about who you let into your emotional headspace. And that's mm-hmm. literally all they're there to do. And the last thing you want is to be with a therapist that's actually doing more harm than good because they're having you, because you know, they always pose everything in a question. So how do you feel about blah, blah, yeah. blah? And they're over here having you question everything about your entire existence. Like, mm-hmm. no.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. So yeah. you mentioned that you built a six-figure business from the ground up in five years. Is that just through sex work or did you branch out and invest in other things? That is just through sex work. Um, Although the investment
2: part... That's amazing. The investment part is something I'm just getting and I'm like really into it and it's really fun learning about all the ways. That's awesome.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Make your money work for you. Exactly. Because we're tired of working. We tired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what would you attribute your success to today?
2: I really just think... Me being a strong person and willpower, uh, yeah, willpower, knowing that like I was meant for something more, you know, mm-hmm. that, like this wasn't gonna be the end of me in life, and um, just having that in the back of my
1: head. Awesome. Um, so how exactly did you build your six figure business? Because most traffic sex workers seem to think that that's not possible, that they cannot get out of their situation. So, speak to a girl that might be listening to this podcast that is currently being trafficked?
2: So two words, um, money management.
1: Yes. A very big word for
2: me. And I think for anyone who's in this line of work, money management is so, so, so important. Yes. As a sex worker, as an entrepreneur, um, as a business person, the more you're able to manage your money and the more you're going to be able to see it grow
1: exactly
2: Um, you know don't spend money on shoes and bags and purses and all those things just to keep up with you know the joneses or twitter or whatever um i didn't have a designer bag till like a couple years ago and i've been doing this for seven years you know
1: and i'm sure your client got it for you or did you get it yourself
2: my first one i bought myself um, okay Very into like, you know, make goals for yourself and then reward Mm -hmm. yourself when you get Mm -hmm. there. I think that's a great way to purchase designer things when you hit a big goal for yourself. Um, But other than that, a lot of the things that I have did come from clients, which, you know. That's awesome. Always
1: always go for that. And then one tip I will say, ladies, track your income. No, a lot of people don't do that. They just kind of get the money and next thing you know, they don't know where it went. But if you actually physically track how much you're making, you will be mm-hmm. it'll help you kind of figure out, okay, this is what's coming in. And then you can start making plans for savings and all that good stuff. <laughs> but track people say track your spending. I say track your income because that's yeah. where it all starts. You know? I, yeah. Some, I a lot of people don't know how much they are making every month. They really don't.
2: Don't. And there's so many girls who just, you know, every time something comes in, it goes right back out. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, saying that you have a six-figure business sounds like really, oh, my God, that's so amazing. But I think it's easier than people maybe think. You know, mm-hmm. if you're like really keeping track of all the money that you're making, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it adds up pretty quickly. And I think sometimes people could be in that margin and not even
1: realize because they're not paying attention. Exactly. So what advice can you give to women who are currently being coerced and trafficked?
2: Um, I would say that no matter what somebody tells you, you are absolutely strong enough to stand on your own. And you don't need anybody else to help you or manage you or do anything for you in this industry in order to be successful.
1: Amen. These are facts. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm going to ask you this question because I know it's going to come up and people are going to think it matters do you think that your race and the color of your skin gave you the privilege to have gotten out of your situation versus if you were darker or black
2: so i think this is a really good question i want to say i think like the easy answer or maybe what people think i'm gonna say is that yes it does but to be honest um i don't know i don't think we and like anybody knows that that like, in my situation, was that the defining factor of me, like, getting out versus not?
1: No. And also and also how you were treated, too, because the girls that get broken down the most are the ones that are f- really afraid to leave. And you said he didn't hit mm-hmm. you. Mo- most pimps hit their girls, mm-hmm. you know. And you said girls came and went. I'm not sure if any of those girls were women of color or black. But the fact that you're white, ugh, this is so weird to say, but... Being a white mm-hmm. girl, they, they will put you at the top of the food chain in the, in the pimp world because they know you will make yeah. them the most amount of money. So people tend to not treat their prized possession like crap, but they'll still mm-hmm. get into your head so you don't leave. So like yeah. there's some there's so many factors that go into it. So it's kind of hard to say because unless somebody is in your specific situation, who knows? Like his main girl, was she also white? No, she was mixed. Okay. So, yeah, there are like so many so many factors that go into play. I'm just glad you got mm-hmm. out of it, but I just thought that yeah. would be an interesting question to ask if you if you thought your race um, or and the color of your skin had anything to do with how quickly you got out of that or basically how you fared through the whole ordeal. Yeah,
2: I totally am with you on that. Um, women of color definitely do get treated worse by pimps. It's really horrible to say.
1: But it's true.
2: It is true. You know, would I have been abused worse if I wasn't white? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't have, you know, I can't really answer that. I think that I will say where I do think it played the biggest part was with me being caught up with law enforcement. That if I was to be darker or a woman of color, um, I don't think that I would have gotten off as easily as I did. Yeah,
1: I mean, there was actually, um, I think it was How to Get Away with Murder. There was, mm-hmm. there was a sim. I don't know if you watched that show, but there was a similar case where Annalise was, like, opening up old arrest records of the black women that got into the system, and then they end mm-hmm. up staying in the system because, you know, once, once yeah. you're in jail, apparently statistics, you go back. Um, mm-hmm. And there was this one lady who she tried, like, she was, like, now, current day in her 60s, But she got Mm -hmm. arrested for the first time when she was a minor. And Mm -hmm. because she was black, they tried her as an adult, whereas her white counterparts were tried as minors and their cases were expunged. But because she had this adult charge on her record, of course, that hinders you from getting jobs, yada, 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 background checks, you will always fail. And when people see prostitution, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, you know. So it, it was like a whole long ordeal, but she fought the case and won it. But the minute the lady went out on the streets, she OD'd. It was a very sad oh. story, actually. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I know that, that was so drab. But I, I, said that to, I, know. I said that to say that, yeah, there are biases. But unless you're actually in it, mm-hmm. it's very hard to kind of pinpoint what's happening where. But at least you're aware yeah. of it but w- yeah, what else and can we number- do? It's good to be aware, but it's like, I wish there was more that could be done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I really don't.
2: I have no idea what it's like to be a black woman in today's day and age, let alone a sex worker. That's like, not anything I can even speak on. You know, yeah. I'm sure I've had a lot of privileges afforded to me that other people weren't. I also think that there's always going to be somebody that's going to have more privilege or opportunity, or is going to be here or richer than you. Yeah. And there's always going to be somebody who did something who did more with less than you too. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: like, yeah, everybody has, everybody has an unfair advantage. It's just figuring out what yours is and running with it because
2: what else are you going
1: to do? It's like, if you have this, you were born this way. What, What else can you do, other than you know, be aware and don't be a dick. Yeah, exactly. Don't be a dick. Be (laughs) aware, but you know, use what you have to further yourself in life because Mm -hmm. that's what you were given naturally. Anyway, so what's next for you? Like, uh, do you plan on you know staying in sex work? Are you moving on to other things? What what's what's going on?
2: Um, I am still planning on staying in sex work for the time being. Although I do have the works um, in my personal life. I don't want to give away too much. Oh, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. won't be the last you'll hear from me. I'll say that.
1: Okay. Okay. So did you dabble in any other form of sex work besides escorting? Or has that Mm -hmm. just been it?
2: It was just um, escorting.
1: I kind of
2: toyed with the idea of doing um, porn at one point Mm because I thought, like, Oh, it's basically a legal way to do what I'm kind of already doing, um,
1: but I just I'm happy I didn't go that wrong. Yeah, unless you own not- the the company, yeah, there's really like your your money is just not like Jenna Jamison had it right. Like she mm-hmm. she figured out how to capitalize on her own self because she was like, well, shit, I'm gonna start my own production company that way I make all the money versus getting yeah. paid per scene. And you have to shoot like a gazillion scene, but then you can be a contract star, but those are like very hard to get. Like it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a very shelf life kind of thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't down. Well, you the one time for the scene and that's
1: it for you. But then they keep getting paid. over. Of course. Over. that Yeah. yeah. They've, they've been tricking people for years. Now people are starting to realize it, which is why there are all these content producers and OnlyFans was created, Pornhub and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, yeah, like at the end of the day, it's the distributor and the producer that makes the money. And that's exactly. with anything in mm-hmm. any business. Whoever, like, so shipping, That's why Amazon Mm -hmm. is like a gazillion dollar industry. So whoever, whoever controls the shipping and, you know, the distribution of the product and whoever Mm -hmm. produces the product, those are the two people that make it. So that's why Walmart is big because they handle distribution, but Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, like Heinz ketchup is big because they produce the ketchup, you know what I'm saying? But the people that are actually working manual labor, producing these things physically, yeah, mm-hmm. they're not they don't really get the the long end of the stick you know what I'm saying yeah. so yeah right. anyways um what is the biggest mistake you've made in your adult entertainment life I'd say not
2: trusting my instincts
1: that's um, a big one for a lot of people including myself
2: <laughs> so huge always 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 trust your instincts I can't tell you any time I've ever had, you know, been in a sticky situation. I've always, like, kicked myself. Like, yep. Oh, gosh, same. Hard, same. Know?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I completely get it. I completely get it. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you did not have any mentors or did you have any mentors? Um, I did have one, sort of. Okay. And – It
2: was a woman, so I say sort of, because she was an assistant in the industry. She wasn't actually a companion. Um, But I was introduced through one of my regular clients um, after I had been independent for about a year. Okay. Um, And a girl that she was working with had just retired. And so my client introduced me to her because, you know, she was looking for someone new to work with. Oh, look at
1: that. Networking within the industry. I love it.
2: Okay. Um, And her and I really hit it off and we ended up working together for almost three years. Mm-hmm. I had kind of already learned the ropes the hard way at that point, but she really helped me to feel more empowered in my life after everything mm-hmm. had happened. Um, It was kind of cool having like another, like a wide, like on my team and someone who knew the industry that I could talk to She was um, a little bit older than me, and um, I was really, really grateful for her friendship. We had a falling out, but um, she really helped me out a lot in my life during that time and taught me a lot, too.
1: I guess in this business, there's always going to be a falling out of some sort. Yeah. It's just inevitable. That's just life, though, really.
2: Yeah. It's one of those things, like, friends and business sometimes don't mix.
1: So Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. It happens. It happens. So can you tell the newbies some of the essential things they need in order to be a successful companion? Like since you've heard from the, you learned from the school of hard knocks, mm-hmm. <laughs> give, a, give, yeah, give the newbies true. some tips so they don't, maybe they don't make the same mistakes as you did.
2: Okay. So first, just a disclaimer. If anyone's listening to this that hasn't already made like the step to become a sex worker, This is not the thing to do if you're looking for facts.
1: Oh, yeah. Please dispel that myth.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This is not, you know, easy, quick money. Um, It is not for the faint of heart. It takes a lot of grit. Just if you do decide to make that step, make sure that you really, really did your research and um, have as much information as possible before proceeding to the people who are newbies, um, I would say that when you start to kind of look at sex work with a business mind and start to realize, like, start to run your business as a business, you mm-hmm. will go far. Um,
1: yes. I
2: heard something that said entrepreneurs are the only people crazy enough to give up a 40 hour, 80 hour work week. And it's so true. Like, it's a lot of work. It Um, is. It is. But when you, yeah, don't like, don't look at it as like a hobby or like a side hustle. If you really want to be successful, look at it as a business, treat it like a business and you'll be, you'll go far. The other thing is money management. As I already stated before, one sort of like breakdown that helped me managing my money in the beginning was 50% 50% of what you make goes to your needs, like your bills, 30% goes to your, work and 20% goes to savings.
1: Yes, yes. And of course, listen uh, to the episodes with companion tasks, because we talk in details Yeah, about, about kind of budgeting and all that good stuff and read books, not just us, like This is just one resource. Like, read. Please. Yes. Read and, you know, take in knowledge. Like, I can't tell you how many girls email me um, on the show, you know, asking for advice that I'm just like, uh, I'm going to need you to do some legwork because I don't know your personal situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, read. Mm -hmm. This is out there for you if you would just read.
2: Yes, please. Like, be resourceful. You know, you have the internet that you're listening to this on. Use it to research Exactly. Things, and then even me and Chantel
1: decide to put together a book just for the newbies. And they still email me mm-hmm. asking me questions that are already oh answered God. in the book. <laughs> Get the book. Oh, my God. TSEGstore.com. Anywho.
2: The last piece of advice I would say is that when you have downtime or slow days, which there are going to be many um hone like use the time to hone your craft work on yourself as a companion whether that's like you know your body your mind your spirit you are your business so invest in yourself and
1: invest in your business exactly i i completely agree okay so speaking of advice what's the worst advice you've ever gotten <laughs> Um, the worst advice
2: I've ever gotten would be to um, lower my rates yeah. when it's single. Uh, don't ever, don't do it. It's a trap.
1: It is. Um, You're basically training them to wait till you have a sale.
2: Exactly. When you start to show clients that you, you know, have sales or whatever they're gonna wait around for that and it's gonna be really hard for you to ever give yourself a raise in the future Mm -hmm. Um, i mean
1: even even the stores like people we do it with stores because we know okay they're gonna have their annual sale and semi-annual sale on this day so let me just wait to get that sale you know know what i'm saying you know like even uh ap asian Mm -hmm. provocateur that people hate so much um (laughs) they have sales all the time too so ladies you can get discounted ap if you want but it's just it's just Mm -hmm. like if, if you want to grow your business, you can't be doing deals left and right because then you're just going to train them to, to wait. OK, yeah. so what's the best advice you've ever gotten?
2: I would just have to go back to like saving and managing. your.
1: Now, who did you get that advice from? Were you just reading and you realized?
2: Yeah, just um, reading, um, just my own personal development stuff. Um, mm. yeah,
1: yeah, it's amazing what reading will do for you. Like it opens, it opens your Uh, eyes to like a whole new world, you know? So ladies read, Mm -hmm. read as much as you can. And I'm not talking fiction, (laughs) nonfiction, please. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So if you could go back in time and talk to your 17 year old self, what would you say to her?
0: I
2: would tell her that you know everything is going to work out in the end and there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in the road ahead but it's all to make you stronger and a better person and you're going to come out on top
1: as you did and I'm and I'm definitely thankful you did so you could come on the show and and share that yeah. it's it's possible cuz I mean I don't think yeah. they ever we never <coughs> hear the, the voice of the trafficked person it's always the organization oh. Mm-hmm. or you know the, the captain saber Hose. we get yeah. their version of the story but we never hear it from the girl yeah okay uh now to the fun part let's lighten it up a little bit <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what is your favorite vacation destination cuba favorite you know i haven't been and now they closed it again but it's like it, right here so so i will say
2: for anybody listening to the this- go to Cuba, you just have to go through Mexico and can't oh pe-
1: people them. have been going. Yeah. People yeah, have been going can't since say that, forever. Like,
2: you are gonna be a tourist. You yeah, can yeah, tell yeah. them we are going for like you know cultural exploration or something. It's a beautiful it's definitely a third world country, um,
1: but it's beautiful. The people there are amazing yeah from from the videos and pictures place. I've seen it looks like a great place. It's just that like wow. when you live near the Caribbean as I do Cuba is not mm-hmm. on the first. It's not the first one on your list yeah. at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll go there eventually. Like, eventually, <laughs> eventually, I'll go. Um, but yeah. I'm just like not in a rush, if you know what I'm saying. And plus, yeah, exactly. Miami is kind of like little Cuba. There are parts of Miami. It is. You have so much. You have all the good <laughs> <laughs> coffee there. The- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes so good okay so what are you doing your free time miss rich bitch she's rich (laughs) Um,
2: So, as i said before i do a lot of personal development stuff i honestly probably spend the most time on that whether spirituality and stuff like that okay reading research workshops i like being
1: outside working out spending time with friends that's actually not a bad idea the workshop thing Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's like a good way to kind of immerse yourself for a short period of time, but also be surrounded by like-minded people.
2: That's yeah, not,
1: that's awesome. not bad at all. Workshops. I mean, let me put that on my list of something to look um, yeah, into.
2: Met a lot of <laughs> really amazing people that way as well. So
1: that's awesome. Workshops, I'm typing it. <laughs> 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 okay. So, um, are there any companions you currently have a crush on and will mind booking a double session with? Um, I feel like there's so many like, right girls.
2: Yeah, there's so many gorgeous <laughs> women out there and like from all over the world too. Let me think like off the top of my head. I'm trying to think like who I've retweeted lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Heidi Hudson in Australia. Celine Kitt. Margot Mew. Um, Margot is that Mew woman?
1: sounds familiar. Yeah, you said Jocelyn? I, yeah, I'm an ass man. <laughs> <couldn't tell. laughs> I love Jocelyn. We've hung out <laughs> you know personally too like she's she's amazing she's yeah. a great gal nice um yeah i think
2: there's so many people like honestly yeah There's
1: are just so many gorgeous women just too many mm-hmm. to keep up with i just like scrolling exactly. through twitter and just you know looking at yeah. all the gorgeousness of my timeline and it motivates me exactly. to not be a fat ass. okay so <laughs> i'm like i need to go to the gym today right like put that put down that cake girl. You don't. Yeah. You don't need that cookie. <laughs> okay, favorite book.
2: So, for anyone who wanted to know what type of like business books that we were telling you to read earlier, mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones ever is called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T
1: Harv Eker. Hold on. Reese, I'm going to Google this right now. Yeah. Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Yeah, it's a number like a New York Times bestseller, it should pop yeah, up. Yeah, I see it's on Amazon. I'm just, I, I hope they have Kindle. Yes, um, they have. A- Wait, let me see. Yeah, uh, they, they have is. Kindle. So I'm gonna, yeah. send, I'm gonna send a copy to my iPad. Yes, it's um, also, I have a I've listened
2: to a lot of books on Audible,
1: I do too, but I find that I tend to zone out when I'm listening I to do. a book. You know what's
2: funny like... is I usually listen to it and then I end up purchasing the hard copy because I want it a book later on.
1: But you know, you can like highlight and do everything on, on on your um, Kindle, yeah, right? So then I,
2: yeah. Then I can, like, then I'll purchase the hard copy so I can highlight and do all that stuff. Um, no, but really I'm.
1: Easily. Oh, because you read the Audible version. Got it. Got it. Okay.
2: Yeah. Like, I'll listen to it to get the gist of the information yeah, yeah, and yeah. then use
1: it as a book after. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I've tried Audible. I've tried reading, uh, well, listening to a few books, and I just find that. Mm -hmm. because you know you're going to be listening in your car which is usually when I do the most when I listen to most of my podcasts unless I'm like cleaning or something and I just feel like listening because when I'm at home I do YouTube (laughs) when I'm Mm -hmm. in the car I do podcasts so uh, Mm -hmm. but then the audible books too so when I'm driving I'm I'm listening but I find that I don't catch all the information versus when I'm actually focused sitting down Mm -hmm. in, in the tub or out at lunch reading yeah you know it's like a different it's a different feel but yeah i just added that to my kindle thank you for the recommendation
2: (laughs) yeah it's really good okay so what are you reading Um, right now um i on i have a stack of like 10 books on my nightstand right now
1: oh wow Um, are you one of those people that doesn't finish their books bad girl
2: (laughs) i don't I never, I don't finish them. And I, like I said, it's mostly like research and reference books. So it's not something yeah, yeah. that you would sit down and read front to back. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of like self-help books, um, business. So eccentric. what's one book
1: on your night, on your nightstand right now?
2: Okay. A book that I just got the other day, it's called the Di- the return of the divine Sophia
1: Wait, um, is that how you got your name? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, Obviously.
2: But, oh um, <laughs> Sophia is like, I think it's a Greek goddess of wisdom, mm-hmm. but it's about sort of like the untold story of Mary Magdalene in the Bible and um, Ooh. about, you know, um, divine feminine energy and her relationship with uh jesus and um people are saying that that was
1: like his girlfriend i was actually just having a conversation yesterday with my client and he thought that her and jesus were fucking i was like i don't think jesus had sex he was like what he was 35 or 30 how old was he when he died in his 30s and he (laughs) never had sex i was like well he was above that because he's god you know whatever he was like nah It's like, nah, they definitely banged. So I'm just like, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of different stories, you know, whether she was a prostitute or not, or, you know, his lover or not. You know, there's all sorts of stories telling you one thing or another. Yeah, um, I mean, because really re- all the history research. books
1: were written by the victors anyway. So yeah, what do we even know, really know was- that happened?
2: exactly <laughs> you know there's two sides to every story and then there's the truth so which
1: we will never know because we weren't there okay <laughs> so movie <laughs> of all time
2: um miyazaki spirited away wow so even your movies you can't just
1: watch an action comedy or something <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah that's a weird it's i'm not even like a huge anime person but that is my favorite movie <laughs> of all time what is it called again um, it's just called Spirited Away, um, but the animator is Miyazaki. It's a Japanese film.
1: Miyazaki, um, and it's called Spi Spirited. Oh, Spirited, away. Spirited yeah. Away. Okay, yeah. you were kind of breaking up. I didn't hear you the first time. Okay, yeah. um, favorite TV show:
2: Law and Order SVU. All
1: right, so that's a good one to watch when you're on the treadmill for sure. Because like every every episode is always like, yeah. I, and I usually watch it without the sound. And I put it on Uh I put it on caption because Mm -hmm. then I can just like watch and like figure like make the noises in my head. You know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had that in my everyday life. Right. These these are their stories. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually tweeted the other day that I I've watched over 300 hours of Law and Order SVU.
1: Oh, my God. How many how many seasons do they have now?
2: I think there's like 21 it's definitely seasons. been like
1: twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. been like twenty years at least for sure. Yeah, wow, about that's 90, crazy.
2: Like ninety five percent
1: of the episodes. Wow. Yeah, I probably have seen like ten <laughs> percent. Um. Okay. Uh. Pet peeves.
2: Oh, girl! I live in Los Angeles. I have so many pet ah! peeves. <laughs>
1: Um vegans? No, I'm kidding. uh, (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. pushy uh, vegans is what I'm talking
2: about. How about just like people who are not um like aware of others? Oh,
1: that's a good one.
2: People get so wrapped up in what they're doing and they're not they don't pay attention to others or they don't have any kind of like empathy for what somebody else might be going through.
1: That really irritates me. Yeah. But sadly, that's the world we live in.
2: It, it is. Works. All
1: right. So please leave our listeners, both the guys and the girls, with some parting advice.
2: To be uh, kinder to each other. I think it's really cliche, but true. But it's true. Everyone, you know, everyone's fighting a battle that you don't know about. Um, don't assume things about other people. And um, if you want to make the world a better place yourself be a nicer kinder person and it a ripple effect
1: awesome that's such a great advice and i i completely agree okay so lastly please leave us with your uh social media so that our listeners can contact you follow you
2: social media on twitter and instagram is xo underscore underscore sophia Awesome.
1: Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Sophia, for coming on and, you know, sharing your story with the world and being brave because, you know, this is kind of like the first time we get to hear it from the victim side without the news yeah. or, or you know, these organizations skewing it to their favor. So thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me. This is the first time I've really spoken about it on such a public platform. So, um, yeah, very nerve-wracking.
1: No, you did great. You sounded, yeah. I mean, at first you seemed a little, I was like, oh, my God, I hope she's not going to cry. I'm not triggering her. But when we covered <laughs> through, it worked. It worked yeah, out. No tears, so, no tears. Yeah, yeah, no tears because you, you've moved on and it's behind you now. Thank you so much. I know you got things to do, so I'm going to bid you adieu. And maybe you. you can come back next time and co-host with me on a more lighter note. Yeah, I'd love that. Awesome. Okay, enjoy the rest of your day. You too, bye. Bye. A big thank you to Ms. Sophia Gray for bravely sharing her story with our community. I am so happy we got to hear firsthand from a sex trafficking survivor. Hopefully, this interview will inspire others to have the courage to get out of a bad situation. Have a wonderful day, everyone, and I will catch you on the next episode. Bye!
0: Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG Podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at exoticvivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.